Well, we turn back with me then to uh, this passage we read, Isaiah, and chapter 55. I'd like to um, just take as our text today the verses Mark 6 and 7. I'm conscious that um, already I've considered uh, the first um, two verses, especially with you in a previous sermon, but I'd like to focus on the words that we have here. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call out to him while he is near. Normally when when we search for something, then we do it because it's something we either we either have to do, um, something we should do, or perhaps even just something that we want to do. And it's normally for our benefit, uh, somewhere along the line at least. We don't go searching after something that's going to cause us um, real grief or real anguish, because that would just be foolishness. But we seek something out because um, it's going to be to our advantage and it's normally available to us. Well, here we have this great invitation to search out something that can be found. It's not something that's out with the reach of any of us here. We're told, first of all, to seek the Lord. And God wouldn't tell us to seek after him unless he is able to be found. And we're also told to call out to him. And God wouldn't let us call out to him unless he is going to hear us. So in considering these verses here, I'd like just to put it under um, three headings. First of all, to consider the invitation that we have here. Secondly, we can consider um, the conditions for entry to this great feast that's um, laid on here. And finally, to briefly consider um, the urgency of accepting this great invitation. So first of all, the invitation itself. And we need to be mindful um, that God is, in the first instance here, he is dealing with, with his people, Israel. And he is assuring them that despite all of their sins against him, and despite the time in exile, despite all that they've done wrong against him, um, that he is going to show mercy to them, and he is going to grant full forgiveness of their sin. Nevertheless, it's also quite appropriate for us to consider this and to apply this teaching to ourselves today, because what God is doing in this section of the prophecy of Isaiah is he is revealing his new plan so that salvation in Jesus Christ is available to everyone. And we have this section in particular from um, chapter 51 up to chapter 55 here, um, where God is revealing very specific details about his servant, about the Messiah. And within this section of the prophecy, the most significant event um, in human history is described in, in great detail, 700 years before it actually occurred. And in particular, the well-known chapter, which I'm sure most of not all of us 
will be familiar with in chapter 53, we are given a very vivid account um, of the coming of Christ, of his sufferings, uh, which will secure salvation for all who place their faith and their trust in him. We're given that, these details, which are so vivid, which are so clear. They depict the suffering servant, enduring the wrath and the curse that is due to us. That's a price that is paid by Christ on our behalf. And in Isaiah chapter 54, it tells us of the promises that are now sealed for us in his word. And Isaiah is reminding us that there is a point to all of these sufferings that Christ endured. The agony and the pain. He's reminding us that Christ has he's not died in vain and that his blood has secured something precious for us. And that is the promise of full covenant blessings. This is the new covenant. This is the new way based on the perfect and finished work of Christ and the promise of salvation for all who trust in him. Here in chapter 55, we have the outcome of all of that work that's been carried out by Jesus on our behalf. And this passage that we have here, it's almost like a grand finale of the previous um, four chapters. It's described for us as a banquet, a banquet that has the best of everything, the like of which has never been seen before. And in verses 1 to 3 there, we're told that the feast is prepared and the table is now set. God has prepared a place in glory for all of his own people, for everyone who will place their own faith, their faith and trust in him. And we see that this, the great rallying call is made to come. And there's a real element of excitement um, running through every verse that's in this chapter that Isaiah was given to write. And the reason for that is because, because uh, it's an invitation to all of us because it's heralding in this new era, this new way of salvation by faith in the finished work of Christ. And not just that, but it's free because Christ has paid that price on our behalf. And not just that either, because it's no longer, um, a, 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 it's no longer a, an exclusive event for just the, the, the people of Israel, as it was in the Old Covenant or in, in the older part of the Old Testament. It's not just for a select few, because it says, come, and it says, come, everyone, come to this banquet, seek after the Lord, while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. And this invitation list, well, it's been drawn up and it's an open invitation. And you know that all your names are on that list. I'd like you please to make sure that you keep your Bibles open on this page, at this chapter and on these verses. And when you look at these verses and when you look at this chapter, you begin to realize that this invitation card is actually in your possession right now because God's word 
is here before us and God's great invitation is given to you personally right now. And you read this and what does it say? It says, come. And what an invitation that is. What love that has been shown by the Lord towards each one of us here. It means that God's abundant love and his grace is now freely offered to all people of every nation and of every race, including every single one of us here today. And I ask each one of you, can you see your name on this invitation card? Have you looked for your name? Are you doing anything about looking for your name in that invitation card? Are you looking for your place at the table? Are you determined to be at that table, at that great banquet which the Lord has set out for all his people, that great glory that awaits every single one? Because we're told here that this great wedding feast that's now prepared, Christ the bridegroom, well, he's waiting for his bride. He's waiting for all of his people to come and to take their place at that table. Come to the banquet, he says, and experience the wonderful blessing of a personal relationship with Jesus. And not just that, but also all of the riches, the fullness, and the preciousness that he has to offer. And you know that he is just so willing to give that to you. We're told, secondly, that there are conditions for entry to this banquet. And I wonder if there's even one person, or there are perhaps more than one person, perhaps many people here today, saying to themselves, well, yes, that's what I want, and that's where I want to be. Well, we need to read all of the, the words, all that's written on this invitation card. It says to seek the Lord and to call out to him, but it also tells us to turn from our wicked ways and return to the Lord. Why is that, we might ask? If God has prepared so much for us, and if there are so many great blessings on offer, Surely he's in a place where we can find him easily. Well, yes, he is. But we do have to obey his instructions. We do have to do what his word tells us. And here are the conditions of entry to the banquet. They put very plainly and very simply for us. And that is to repent, to turn away from our sin, to return to the Lord, and if we do that, then he will abundantly pardon. And so in reading that, what God has told us here, it doesn't really make much sense to accept what the Bible teaches us in theory, as it were, and then do something totally different in the practice of our lives. It doesn't make much sense to to accept what the word says and knowing that it's going to, to lead to the great treasure that will be of eternal benefit to us. And yet to decide to ignore these instructions. 
we can read and accept it, but then decide to practically ignore the instructions to repent of our sins, to turn away from our sins, and to turn back to the Lord, to seek him out, and to call out to him. And isn't that just the same, really, as if you begin to learn to drive, and um, as you do now, you have to go through this theory test, and you, you learn all the rules of the highway code, and you accept them in theory, and then when you go out to actually practice your driving and to do it practically, you totally ignore everything you've been taught in the theory test and you just go out and drive any way you want. Well, you're not going to last very long on the road by doing something like that. And so it is in, in much the same way with, with uh, what we have here with God. It amazes me how often um, also that people can accept what God's word says but not follow it. It amazes me again how often um, we're prepared to accept all of the rules and the regulations for, for things that may be trivial in life compared to this. And we'll follow them to the letter. And we're thinking that we're doing so well in all of that. But yet when it comes to, to the most important issue in our lives, what is to do with our soul, concerns our soul, so many people seem to disregard that as if it doesn't matter at all. As if the price that Christ has paid for us is irrelevant and doesn't matter to us. As if the fact that Jesus gave himself for us is totally, is totally irrelevant to us in our lives. And yet the offer is there of the release from sin and from the bondage of sin. And to be liberated through Christ's finished work on that cross and God is saying turn from your sin seek me out call out to me and you will find me but he's also saying don't do that in a half-hearted manner you really need to 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 come and to to give me all of yourself to place your life your trust me with your life trust me with everything and give yourself wholly to me and it's only then that you will find me. So says the Lord. He says, I am here. I am in my word here. And I have gifted you my word. The table is set for this great banquet. But you have to make yourself known to me. That's what God is asking. He's saying you have to follow all of the instructions on this invitation card. Otherwise, you can't come into this banquet and you can't share this glory with all of my people. It's one thing to find the place to come to and to follow some of the instructions that you've been given, but what about other decisions you made? Perhaps there's people here, and it's so good to see you here. You're in the right place to be under the word of God. But perhaps there's some thinking, well, I won't need to bother with the rest of the instructions. I'm here, and I'm under his word, but I won't need to look at repenting. I won't need to look at turning from my sin. I won't need to look at uh, returning um, to God, because I'm sure I'll get in anyway. I'm sure there'll be a way that God's going to let me into this banquet, into this great glory. I'm sure I'll be fine. 
it's almost like you come to church and you live a proper and an upstanding life and yet no real commitment to the Lord. Just imagine the setting and this great banquet is laid out. And in doing so, let me just, just for a moment, uh, and uh, I mean no disrespect, with all due respect, just for a moment, just think of the Cabrafi Hotel that we have out on the other side of town. And especially the big glass frontage that there is in that hotel that enables you to look in uh, at any event or any, any wedding or anything else that's taking place inside. And you can see everything from the outside. You can see what's going on on the inside. You can see all the people there. You can see them seated at the table. You can see them enjoying the whatever banquet is laid out there. And you're at that door and the bridegroom comes to see who it is. And you show the bridegroom that invitation card and you ask to come in. But now, of course, we need to consider this in the, in the context that it is in. And that is that looking at that from the day of judgment, when we come to meet Jesus face to face, and Jesus says, you want to come to the feast, but do you really want to be with me? Because being with him is what it's all about. If you really want to be a part of this, then you must have followed all of the instructions on the invitation card I gave you. Have you? And you're left with no option but to say, no, but I have followed some of them. And I have been attending church and I have been under your word. But there's only one result that's going to come out of that. And no doubt the bridegroom will look at you with pity and with sorrow and say, the word is that you dread the most. Depart from me. I never knew you because you never made yourself known to me. Does that not put a shudder right through your whole being? That if you don't turn to the Lord and commit yourself to the Lord, one day you're going to hear these words. As if he's saying, you didn't seek me out. You didn't call out to me. You didn't change your life. You didn't turn from your sins. You didn't come back to me. So how can I have mercy and compassion on you now? How can I abundantly pardon you? I can't. Because I am a righteous judge. And I carry out a righteous judgment. And since you have been disobedient and rebellious, and you deliberately failed to do all that I ask you, you must depart from me. There are people here today and, you know, you found the right place to come to. You're hearing the instruction of the word of God. But you know, it is your choice whether you follow it or not. But now you also know the consequences of disobeying it. It's only this truth in Jesus Christ that sets you free. And it sets you free from sin 
and from guilt and from eternal punishment. You know, he asks you to return to him and to place your faith and your, your trust and your hope wholly in him. And if you will, then he will have mercy and he will abundantly pardon. Because Jesus tells us, he says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And we're told by Peter in Acts chapter uh, 4, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way that is set out for us that will lead us to God the Father. That's the preciousness of the gift that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. And we're told also here that there is a real urgency to this message. Why do we need to seek after him now? It's like it's offered here to us, but it's for a limited time only. These words, while he may be found and while he is near, well, these words tell us that there will be a time when he can't be found and there will be a time when he won't be near. It may not necessarily be at the time of our death that we lose all that hope, but it may be that there is a time even on this earth when God will distance himself from individuals. There's a real urgency to, to seek him out now while he can be found and to call out to him now while he is near. As I said, it's, for, it's offered here to us for a limited time only. And it's just the same as if there's a, if there's a sales on in, in um, some shop or some place and there's items there offered for sale that, that you really want and have wanted for a long time but couldn't afford it. And yet here, here are these items, or there is that item now, and it's at a, a greatly reduced price. It's a bargain. You can afford it. But it's only there. The sale is only for a limited time only. There's a date given for the sale from such and such a date to such and such a date. And after that, that item returns to its normal, to its normal price. Well, if that's the case, there's no point in swithering and dithering over it. There's no point in, in putting off purchasing that item, hoping that the price might, might go even lower. Because then all that's going to happen is you're going to miss out on the bargain. You're going to miss out on what's on offer, and you'll be full of regrets because it then goes back to a price that you cannot afford. Well, it's much the same with this. And, and with all due respect, salvation in Christ, it's offered free to you, but it's offered for a limited period only. And in much the same way, there is, there, is, there is no point in swithering and dithering over this great offer of salvation, trying to make your mind up, putting it off, trying to get something better, trying to, perhaps trying to, to find a way where you will have control of 
when you will go to the Lord, when you will have control of your own salvation, because it's not going to happen. God asks us to give ourselves wholly over to him. And if you keep putting this off, then the day will come when you pass from this world into eternity and there will be full of regrets. Because this really is a matter of life and death. His free gift to us. Jesus, he is a life giver. He tells us in his word. He says, I came that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. Because what he gives us is so precious and it's so far beyond to anything that we might even ask for or even think of. So precious is the life that Jesus offers to all of his own people who trust in him. Normally, when we get an invitation, we see uh, four letters written on it, and it says RSVP, and it normally gives a date and perhaps an address, but it also gives a name. Well, there's an RSVP on this gospel invitation card as well, and it says to respond to God, to do it with the utmost urgency, and to cry out to him now, to seek after him now, to call out to him now, while he is able to be found. Please don't delay any longer, because not one of us in here knows what even the next hour holds for us. That's how urgent this, this uh, call is, and how urgent, how, how desperately urgent it is that we respond to it. You know, we all have dreams and um, goals in life. But when we do, we have to work at that. It doesn't come easy. And we have to persevere. And it's one thing to think of that dream or that goal that we might have in life. It's quite another thing to actually achieve it. And I always remember um, an interview with uh, Venus William, the female tennis player. Venus Williams, and she was asked at one point after, after uh, winning the tournament, if she, she was asked if she ever thought she would be at Wimbledon. And her answer was, well, I often thought and dreamed about it, but it's actually something very, very different to be here, to be a part of playing at Wimbledon, and to win here and to hold that trophy. It is so, so different to my dreams that I had before. And it's the same with the gospel. It's one thing to think about it, but it's quite another thing to have that living, personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because you need to know Christ for yourself. Nobody else can experience that for you. It's no use looking to anyone else we all have to discover our own need and we all have to discover our own sinfulness. You have this invitation card in your possession. There's a decision to be made and it's your choice what you're going to do with that decision. Jesus has done everything, everything for us that's needed. And with this, nobody needs to be an outsider. 
but neither will anyone be forced to enter. The invitation will not be extended indefinitely, but yet the invitation is there right now. And if you genuinely seek after the Lord, then you will rejoice in finding him. You will rejoice in finding the one thing your soul needs, just as we considered in that, in that uh, children's address. Your soul is thirsting after God, and you will find him, and you will come into that personal relationship with, with him. But you need to leave room in your heart for Jesus. But this word today and this great invitation today says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. That he may have compassion on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would bless your word especially today. That you would glorify your name. We pray that you would work in the, in the hearts and the souls of uh, folk here today who are yet outside of that relationship with Christ. That they may come to know you through a personal relationship with Jesus. We pray, Lord, that there may be much rejoicing with men and women and boys and girls just coming to know Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that there may be that unity, that oneness together, that we may have a sense of your presence while we remain in the building and even as we leave this building today, to know that you walk with us, that you are with us, and that your spirit dwells within us. Bless, Lord, your word then, and bless the singing of your praise. We remember those who are laid aside today and who are unable to be with us for many different reasons. And we ask, Lord, that you would be very near to them, for we know that you are close to your people wherever they are. We ask your blessing, Lord, upon our town, upon our island here. We ask, Lord, that we might see great days of refreshing in your word once again, that we would see many folk coming to, and turning to you, turning from their sin and turning back to you and experiencing that abundant pardon that you are so willing to give. So bless our time together and part us with your blessing. Forgive our sins in Christ. Amen. Well, let's close our service of worship uh, by singing this time in Psalm um, 89 from the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 89 at the beginning, and you'll find that on page 344 of the Blue Psalm books, page 344. And we can sing the verses marked 1 to 4. And may this be the words that truly we would sing. God's mercies, I will ever sing, and with my mouth I shall thy faithfulness make to be known to generations all. Psalm 89, verses 1 to 4, to God's grace.
Amen. Amen. 